get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We're back to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman is brought to you by Sumner One. Time now for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Sliman Brothers, your local appliance expert. Online at slimanbros.com. Curbs and the blues back from the greater New York City area. Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Curbs, good morning. How was the trip? Randy was good. It was long, a lot of downtime, an unusual amount of downtime for. Uh, an NHL team, uh, we spent six nights in the same hotel, and that's the first time that, that frankly, that's ever happened for me uh, at, at any level of hockey that I've been involved in. So uh, aside from that, it was it was good. Uh, the, you know, I mean, the, the team didn't get the results they needed, but they got through it and uh, healthy for the most part. So let's get home and see what can happen. Yeah, as you mentioned, Curb, some disappointing results the last three games. When you look at the Blues and just the lack of energy we saw from them at times over this trip, what do you attribute that to? Uh, you, you know what? The, the thing is, I think I have some thoughts on that, Michelle, but the problem is I feel like when I say it, it's like you're making excuses. And watching that game yesterday, I'm like, this is – and very rarely do I kind of go down the inexcusable route because that's just a weird line for me in sports. But I, I just – I can't answer really what, why they weren't didn't come out ready to go. Why some of those mistakes were made? And thinking about it yesterday, I kind of came up kind of with this. And this isn't so much an excuse, but even if I go back to you know a couple of the good playoff runs, and you know as they were building up to 2019, and even that next year, and you're relying on a Ryan O'Reilly and a David Perron and a Braden Shen and an Alex Petrangelo and Alexander Steen and Carl Gunnarsson, and, and and I look at that, and I I looked at the veteran nature of that. Well, this team this year, it, it's a little bit different, right? Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, maybe two of the most important pieces of your offense, and, and they're in their what uh, fourth, you know, third, fourth year combined between the two of them. Uh, you look at Nico Mikola, his second season in the National Hockey League, and I look at that game yesterday. Nico Mikola had a tough game at one point. This wasn't even the goal, but Colton Pareko goes behind the net reverses the puck, and for some reason, Mikola was going in front of the net all the way to the corner with Pareko, and, and it caused a turnover. Then you look at the game-winning goal, and Robert Thomas let his guy go. And, and it's a young guy making a mistake. And those are going to be some mistakes that you continue to make, and they're just not getting the saves to save their bacon sometimes on it. So you know, just I, I, I just think it's kind of the nature of the transition of this team right now uh, with some young players needing to hopefully grow a little faster. Curbs, it seems like the story of the weekend for both games was getting to the front of the net. And obviously the Islanders and the Rangers before that, and yesterday to more, to an extent not as much the Devils, they were able to get to the front of the net. And the, the Blues, they, they never really got to their game uh, in this trip, did they? they? They never really set the tempo and forechecked and got to the, the blue paint. 
No, they didn't. Uh, they, they, they didn't create uh, as much traffic in front of the net. And you could see when they finally did start to score goals where they were scoring them. Guys were going to the front of the net. Even the goal that was just after the buzzer, look what Ivan Barbashev did, mm-hmm. did driving the, the side of the net. Uh, they didn't get there. You know what looked to me yesterday, Randy, too, was you just look at the way the team passes. And when you're instead of trying six-foot, eight-foot passes, you're trying 15, 20, 30-foot passes from one end of the ice to the other. These last two teams were just clogging up the middle of the ice with sticks and deflecting putts. And I thought Ryan O'Reilly's comments after the games were spot on when, when they talked about not being together. And when he means not being together, they're talking about moving up the ice and, and, and supporting each other. And, and they weren't. And then last night or yesterday afternoon's game, like so many individual puck battles along the wall and very little support coming in from teammates. A guy waiting in the corner for the puck to come to him, but not as many guys just get to the battle and outnumbering the other team on the puck. And um, it, Sometimes I think when you see this happens, it'll tend to snowball a little bit. And this is why it's really important for the Blues uh, to, to grab a hold of this now and, and try to not let this losing streak get to four games because you get to that point and look at how quickly things have tightened up in this in this division. Curbs, another comment that Ryan O'Reilly had after the game that is getting a lot of people talking is when he said that the team has to figure out what their identity is. Do you think you know what the identity of the St. Louis Blues is as we sit here on March 7th? Yeah, I think they're a team that likes to play a pace of hockey that I don't know that they can play. And that's I, that I, I really think 55 games in, that might be the identity. You know, the identity might be they want to play more of that uh, take the puck in, button it up like Robert Thomas does. Uh, you know, look at the stick handling control that you could see from Jordan Cairo. And sometimes what gets in the way, and Craig Ruby mentioned this a couple of uh, uh, days ago, maybe about a week ago. He said, sometimes there's not a play to be made. Sometimes the smart play is to actually put the puck in the corner, go in, hold it there, wait wait for your teammates to get in on the line change, keep the pressure on, and then get back on the attack. And I, we haven't seen that consistently enough because I don't some young guys don't really play that way yet. And it's kind of it's kind of clashing a little bit with that veteran style that Ryan O'Reilly knows has been successful in the style that, that he's used to playing that has really led this Blues team. I, I think you put that in there with the fact that they're just not as good uh, it defensively as they were a couple years ago when, I mean, it's a, it's a totally different unit really when Colton Pareko's the only one and Robert Bortuzzo were the only two left from that, that cup team in, in a brief three years. So uh, I don't think that defensively they're able to make up for the errors when you're trying to play the kind of game that at times is a little too risky that leads to rushes coming down the other way. And they just haven't found a way to get through that. Now, look, I say that, this is only the second time all season long they've lost three games in a row. And two of them were in regulation, right? So they at least they got that point yesterday. This is a team that's still in second place in what may be the toughest division, the second toughest division in the National Hockey League. So it's not doom and gloom. It's just they're still trying to figure some of those things out, and they've got about another 25, 28 games to go. I think it's going to be a lot better for this hockey team once they get past Ottawa here on Tuesday. You play the Rangers on Thursday. You've got Nashville on Saturday. I think it's going to be a lot better for this hockey team if they get into some tougher competition that forces you to play. When you're playing a Randy, we talked about this about a week and a half ago. When you're playing a stretch of 13 games and 11 of them are teams that are in the bottom 10, you've seen some tough hockey, and I think it's starting to show in the Blues play as well. And I think sharpening the pencil against some better teams is going to be helpful. 
Uh, we do need a fighter, by the way. Text in 65780 if you'd like to participate in the fight. Just 65780 and the word fight. Curbs, you mentioned the tough game for Mikola, and he's had a few in the last couple of weeks. And the Blues, as every team should be, because it's the hardest position to learn in hockey, being a defenseman, the Blues have been very, very patient with him. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't play, but I do think that... With, with two weeks to go before the deadline, you can't have the, the week-long stretch that he's had when you're playing Minnesota in Game 3 of a Stanley Cup playoff series and you've got Hartman or Fiala or, uh, or Felino bearing down on the goalie. To me, you need a, a bigger, a more rugged, more substantial guy that can stand up those opposing players come playoff time because you just can't have those mistakes when, you make, when you're in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's clearly a need. Uh, I think a left-shot defenseman is clearly a need, and if you can find someone good enough to play in your top four, that's a real bonus. The question is going to be that there are clearly some other teams looking at it, so what is the price that needs to be paid for it and and what type of player? How much of a price do you pay for a rental versus maybe somebody with another year or two of term on it? And it's a hard deal to make when you're up against the cap. You might have to give up another draft pick to a team. Uh, that has some extra cap space, a third team, even to to eat some salary and, and to make it possible. Yep. So, yeah, it, it is clearly a need, Randy, and you know that it. Look, we see it. If it's clearly for us, you know it is for management and the coaching staff as well. But to bring in Nico Miko along, just fine. He's got a great uh, mentor there with with Colton Pareko, and and it's it's going to take time. It, it look, I mean, when I talk to Hal McKinnis and he talks about you know a defenseman. You know where you need you know three hundred games to, to really see what you may have. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to develop these guys, and 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 it's going to be a process. But when you rely on it, look, you're relying on a young guy to play in in, the, in a top four role in a shutdown situation like he's doing, and and for the most part, I think he's doing really well. You're going to have those bumps in the road. That's that's just part of the process. No doubt, and, and I like the guy. I, I've always been a fan, and I think he's going to be really, really good. Curbs, this is a big day, March 7th, in the history of the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I mean, so uh, the day that the St. Louis Blues acquired Brett Hall, I mean, uh, that – that's got to be, at least in my opinion, I put it out on Twitter. My, I, I, I tried to do top five, and I realized I couldn't do it. So it'll be March 7th. I put, I put top seven. But uh, I, I, th- there's no single greater trade in the history of this franchise than the acquisition of Brett Hall. Would you agree with that? I would agree. And not only better, but more impactful in terms of things yeah. that happened off the ice. Well, when you talk to the Blues alumni and you talk to the people around town, and when they talk a- about – how it was really the popularity of Brett Hall that helped other areas build some hockey rinks and create the demand for more hockey rinks and what that led to. What we're seeing this, what we saw this weekend with all the great success of the Blue Note Cup and all those boys and girls playing youth hockey, you know, and, and the new building at Centene and, and the youth hockey games all around the different rinks. Uh, so much credit of that goes to the popularity of what Brett Hall did to the St. Louis Blues. And uh, I, you just put that impact there plus the type of player he was on the ice and everything involved. I don't know that there's a single greater trade in the history of this franchise. And clearly, Enterprise Center is the house that Hully built, and he actually took the shot to uh, bring down the old (laughs) Kiel Auditorium. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we could probably safely make the argument, we can definitely make the argument that Enterprise Center is the house that Hully built. But we can also, I think, fairly make an argument that if not for Brett Hall, this franchise would not be in St. Louis. Well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, he may have probably, you know, 
single-handedly helped save the franchise too. So, you know, there, there were different ownership issues that happened over the years, different opportunities, different threats for this team to move. And, uh, and, and I think there's a ton of people over the years that deserve amazing credit to, to save and get the franchise to where it is. But that acquisition, and, and there were great players that have come in before. Like, I don't know, like, honestly, I don't know, and I'd have to go do some research on this, but I'm not sure a team has had a more impactful draft than the Blues had in 76 when they took Federico, Sutter, and Liute right. all in the same draft, right? But and, and so there were some great moments in there, but it was it was that move of, of Brett Hall and, and getting a, a superstar level, the personality to go with it, the, the Joe Namath, if you will, I think maybe of his time in, in some respects. Uh, I, I think that, uh, that that single-handedly just catapulted the Blues back to a level of relevance that without a doubt saved the franchise, got a new building built, and then just took the popularity of the sport in this town to a whole new level. Curbs, we always appreciate your time. Thank you very much for it. Have a great day, and we're back at it tomorrow with Brady Kachuk and the Senators in town. All right, guys, have an awesome week. Thanks. You too. Take care. That is Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.